This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her in public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save all his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and they will call, and, um, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, and it's great to be here this morning. We've heard from Janelle already about um, one of Jesus' names, one of his titles, which is King. Now I'm going to tell you about another one of the names that is given to Jesus, which is Saviour. God actually sent Jesus into the world to be born in, in that manger because there's a big problem with the world. And that problem comes from our hearts. We have something called sin. And in the passage that we just read, it says this. It says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So that's what Jesus came into our world to do, to save us from our sins, to rescue us from our sins. Well, what are sins? You can have a look on the screen. There's, there's some examples coming up. Sometimes... Sometimes we're angry and mean to other people, aren't we? What else, what else might be a sin? Sometimes we lie. We say things that aren't true. What else? Sometimes we're, we're greedy with all our things. We hold them to ourselves and we don't share them the way God wants us to. Sometimes we're sneaky and we make plans to... Do the wrong thing to other people. And sometimes we're just thinking about ourselves. We're not thinking about those around us. All of these things show us that in our hearts we've turned our backs to God. And Jesus comes so that he can save us from our sins. We've got one more picture coming up. Who knows what this is? It's a candy cane. And we sometimes get those at Christmas. I want to tell you something so that you can remember. When you see a candy cane, you can remember what Jesus came to do at Christmas time. See how it has two colors. It has red and it has white. The red reminds us that Jesus grew up from a baby to be a man and that he died on the cross so that he could save us from our sins. And the white reminds us that after Jesus did that, and if we put our trust in him, we can be rescued from our sins. 
and we can be brought to know him as the king and as the savior that God has given us. And that means that our hearts, are it's like they're white, they're pure before God again. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus did for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Just going to share a few more minutes on uh, another aspect of Jesus that we see in our, our reading for today, and that is the, the fact that he is the promised one promised one. We've seen that he's the king, that he's the savior. He's also the promised one. I love um, watching those compilations on YouTube of um, <laughs> servicemen and women coming home from duty and surprising their family members. I think um, YouTube seems to know that I like those ones because they, uh, they just keep giving them to me. And uh, the member of the family is kind of having a meal or they're in their school classroom and then the the service men, men or woman comes in and surprises them and they, there's tears flowing. And, um, and at one level, I'm kind of thinking, why did you do that publicly? But at another level, I can't look away from those, uh, from those clips. Christmas is that time where we remember that God came to be with us, that he, he made a promise that he would do that. And then he came through on that promise to come and be with us to visit us, to come uh, as Jesus, uh, the baby in the manger, that the Son of God came among us as the King and the, the Savior of the world. And so as we remember Jesus' other titles, we've got this, this, this title, this description of who he is as the promised one, the one who was that the world's been expecting, the one who the Jews were longing uh, to come, and the one who has come to the world. And it is such a great thing when someone keeps a promise, and often we make somewhat empty promises to our friends and uh, family. You know, I'd love to catch up soon. Let's catch up. But it's so great when it actually happens, isn't it? Uh, those of you who are, who are parents, in the next week or so, you probably have a bunch of promises you have to keep and uh, uh, make sure that you fulfill those when we have relationships, we make promises to each other, and then the relationship is strengthened, and it's uh, on a good footing if the promise comes true, if it's not just an empty promise, but a real promise that is kept. And that's what we see God do, that God is a God who wants relationship with the people of this world, and he's actually come through on his word that he spoke long, long ago that it's actually come true. Now, often many secular people engaging with Christmas would say, you know, there's nothing unique about this. You know, there's lots of gods who claim to come in the form of a person. There's lots of gods who claim to uh, die and be sacrificed for the people. There's lots of gods that claim to be raised from the dead. Christianity is not unique in any way. That's one of the claims put by uh, secular people engaging with Christmas but there are some things that set 
Christian, the Christianity, Christianity apart and the Christian God apart from other gods. And one of those things is that he is a promise-making, promise-fulfilling God. And you see it in the, the reading that we just had. It's Matthew chapter 1, 22 and 23. It says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Uh, the Bible is full of people who are prophets. God speaks to them. Then they declare that message to the world. Uh, they write it. It's written down for us. The second part of that, uh, verse 23, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This comes from Isaiah the prophet, 700 BC, fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. The promise that there will be a birth, a baby, that there will be a virgin mother, and that his name will be Emmanuel. That means God, the God of the Bible, the, the I am of the Old Testament, that's how God describes himself, so far transcendent, uh, so far above the people of this world that he just describes himself as I am. He decides to come and dwell with people by his son, Jesus, born as a baby. This is part of the backstory of Jesus. It, it, it doesn't just exist in a vacuum, the story of Christmas, but it comes with all these promises sitting behind it. And uh, I may have told this story, but when I, when I was younger, I had a friend who became a Christian, and he was so enthusiastic about sharing his faith that he even changed his voicemail on his phone. Uh, and you'd call him, and the first thing you'd hear was, did you know there are over 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament? He didn't like small talk very much. Um, this is something that sets the Christian God apart from the other gods, the other religions, that he makes promises, that he keeps them. He keeps his word to deal with the evil in the world, the, the sin, the brokenness of the world. He keeps his word to put things right, and that's what the coming of Christ is the beginning of. God is going to put things right. We see it in the life and ministry of Jesus that, that he shows us glimpses of that. God promises uh, that he'll do all of this by coming to live among us as the God with us, and that's what happens when Jesus comes. So for a Christian person, what this really means is there's a bedrock under your life, under the reality of your life, which you are dependent on, which doesn't change. And that bedrock is that God is a God who speaks the truth. That in a world of lies and broken promises, that there is one who has spoken to us and who'll never change his word because it's impossible, the Bible tells us, for God to lie. It's just completely out of his character and he's not going to do it. But he doesn't just tell us that, he shows us that in the story of Christmas that these promises he's made have come true. Over centuries, over millennia, they have come true. It means that there's a word you can hang on to that is far deeper, far more profound, far more true than any other word someone will speak to you in your life, even your spouse, even your, your own mother and father, even your own family members and closest friends, your boss, whoever has spoken a word into your life, there's a, a word that's more true than the other words that are spoken, and that is God's word. 
And so if you can grab hold of the message of Christmas and what Jesus has come to do and, and what he's fulfilled in the expectations of God's people, if you can grab hold of that, it's something that can set your heart in a deep place of rest because you're no longer looking for something to stake your life on or a reliable footing for your life, but you have one in, in the God who's proven himself to be reliable and trustworthy, that there's actually a true word available to the people of this world. And it is very hard to find a true word in this world, within the world. doesn't matter what media outlet you read or which voices you listen to, where are you going to find a true word? One that's consistent all the way down to the very bottom. But that's what the claim of Jesus is at Christmas. Like the child with the army father coming home to surprise them, the Bible tells us God has come to surprise us, to give us life and hope, freedom from the worst parts of ourselves with him. And because God has kept his promise, then we can rely on the things that he says about everything. That our sins can be forgiven in Jesus, that we can trust the claims he makes, and that the promises he's made for our lives and our future are never going to let us down. We're going to sing again. So let's uh, stand together. Let's do that.